0: In 2011, Drake released a single entitled The Motto that included the catchphrase, YOLO. To amplify the release of the single, Drake sent out a tweet with hashtag YOLO in it. The next day, there was a significant increase in the number of posts using YOLO as a keyword or hashtag. And more often than not, that hashtag was associated with some stunt, some risk-taking hijinks, or some super self-indulgent behavior. Just recently, I've started to notice YOLO being used in a different way. Instead of jumping off the roof into a kiddie pool, people have been using it to describe jumping off into passion projects and new careers. It's almost like it's become a rattling cry for an awakening. You mean I don't have to live like I've been living? Being bogged down with unrelenting and unfulfilling commitments and obligations? What? YOLO. On this episode of Think Significantly, we will explore where the YOLO movement started and where we think it's headed. Hello everyone, my name is Melissa and I am joined by my distinguished co-host Pete. Hello everyone. Alright, so for starters, I thought it would be best if we came to terms with YOLO Origins. You mean
1: <clears throat> the way the way Drake made it up?
0: Yeah, no Pete. Uh just like Billy Joel did not start the fire, Drake did not start YOLO, I am sad to report.
1: Well, to be accurate, Billy Joel only noted that we didn't start the fire.
0: Okay. All right. Fair enough. We also didn't start YOLO. Uh, It happens to have been around for a very long time.
1: Okay. Okay. How long are we talking
0: here? Okay. So purportedly, there are Urban Dictionary entries that predate Drake all the way back to 2004. I did not confirm this with my own eyes, however.
1: Uh The Urban Dictionary, that well-respected repository of academic knowledge.
0: Okay. So at least it shows us that this was in play long before Drake.
1: That it does. Purportedly.
0: Yes. And it actually goes back to way before Urban Dictionary. There was a popular nightclub in West Hollywood in the forties and fifties called the Mocambo, you might remember it. (laughs) Right on Sunset (laughs) Strip. And when comedian Joe E. Lewis opened there on June the third in nineteen fifty two, he said, You only live once, but if you work it right, once is enough.
1: Wait a minute. You're saying that Mae West did not say that first?
0: That's correct, even though everything on the Google tells us otherwise, right? <laughs> That's correct. Yes, I know. learned something. Right? And if we could fix our way back time machine and, and if we could travel back to 1774, we would have heard Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. I, I do not speak German and you're about to see that in <laughs> a second. I speak the Spanish, yes. Please, I please, saying, uh,
1: please only at Melissa when you comment on her pronunciation.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Don't at me. Well, he <laughs> said in German, and I'm not even going to try it. Clearly, <laughs> One lives but once in the world. This was in his play, Clavigo. And then in 1855, a young conductor named Johann Strauss II released a waltz named, insert German here, which means... <laughs> You Only Live Once, which I have listened to. And it is quite catchy. Add it to your Spotify playlists, everyone.
1: <laughs> so, so can we agree that Drake can at least be credited with putting YOLO back in circulation?
0: Just like the penny. Yes, we can give him that. That's exactly okay. right. Yes. Good.
1: Yes. Now, you know, there have been YOLO-esque versions around for a very long time as well.
0: Are you trying to pronounce something in German? What's a YOLO-esque version? What is YOLO-esque?
1: So, you know, where uh, someone's saying basically the same message, giving off that same vibe as YOLO. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, there are definitely variations on that sentiment. Hit me. So uh, Steve Jobs gave a speech in 2005 uh, when he first got sick, and he said... Uh, remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. The uh, Buddha talks about the impermanence of all things. Stoic philosophers uh, use memento mori, which translates to remember that you will die. Lovely. And probably most famously, Horace in 23 BC came up with the often quoted gem Carpe Diem. Seize the day.
0: I'm Still trying to get past this naked part of uh, Jobs' of speech, but but right. I, I'm like, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, hashtag YOLO. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So from what you're telling me, though, when we're introducing all these YOLO-esque versions, I feel like YOLO is really a cross-pollination between Carpe Diem and like effing. Right? You know what I mean? Like if those two got together and had a baby, you'd get YOLO.
1: I have never really thought about it that way.
0: But now you are, right?
1: I am, and it's frightening.
0: And and now you can't unsee it. You're welcome. Oh so <laughs> so suffice it to say that this phrase has been around for oh like forever. The common theme, of course, across all of those phrases, be they YOLO-ish or YOLO-esque, is that life is finite.
1: Right. None of us is going to live forever. That's what all these all these great thinkers were trying to remind us. Life is fleeting, so make the most of it.
0: And do you know what effect that line of thought has on us?
1: I, uh, you know what, I have a suspicion. But I'm betting you have some facts in your pocket that you're going to share with me.
0: Okay, you know that I come with all the cool info that everyone wants to be my team come trivia night. Okay, but I am not going to take the credit here. Because this is like straight out of like a psych 201 class. All right. So in response to thinking about our mortality, people tend to get a boost to their self-esteem. And we are more likely to pursue the things that we value in life. And then this fun little tidbit. Research shows us that men specifically, when reminded that they will eventually die, drive more recklessly.
1: Holy cow. Okay. Okay. Now, okay. So now the original usage of YOLO makes more sense to me. Right. That that version seemed to be this disclaimer for any recklessness, which I never understood. You only live once means life is short. So you're going to make it shorter?
0: Yeah. Like, come at me, bro.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Life is short. I'm going to make sure of it. Right. But this explains where that behavior might have been coming from. And you're saying that it's that it's changing right before our eyes.
0: Okay. Well, I, I mean, that's my hypothesis.
1: Well, I... I know you well enough to know that if you have a hypothesis, chances are you're seeing things that the rest of us just haven't caught up to yet. So by all means, please lay this on me. I, I am all ears.
0: Okay. So I think that during 2020, we all went through, or at least witnessed a whole lot, of whole lot, hmm. and it really gave people pause. You had the global pandemic piece of it, which made people think oh, we could all die tomorrow, which yes, is a titch hyperbolic, but yo- it was a global pandemic, right? Like, I, you know, right. we've never been in this sitch before. And we all had a year to basically assess whether this is the life that we want to be living. In other words, the time was ripe for change to occur. We suddenly had a bumper crop, that phrase is for you, Pete, of people <laughs> who had time on their hands and maybe a little bit of money to spare because they weren't able to spend it anywhere else. And that opened up to, quote, Princess Jasmine, a whole new world
1: man, you know I'm a sucker for Disney princess quotes, so I think you threw that in there just to butter me up. But even without that, I think your hypothesis has merit. I've seen people make significant changes to their lives since the beginning of 2020. And the concept of YOLO seems to be changing with the times.
0: Right? Okay, so I am thinking on the fly here, which is not always a good thing, especially (laughs) when you're trying to do a podcast. But even though how people are using YOLO might be changing, I'm thinking that that essence of YOLO still exists, there is still maybe that element of a daredevil spirit. Like if I were to suddenly quit my day job, I would have to go out and blaze the deuces like YOLO.
1: <laughs> if you were to quit your day job, you'd have like eight other jobs still to go. But, <laughs> but But please give me a heads up if this is something you're even close to contemplating because I've got to see this. But in all honesty, that's exactly what you're doing if you quit to pursue a passion project.
0: Well, you will have a front row seat if I ever go that route, because I will suddenly, we will suddenly need a sponsor on the podcast. But <laughs> uh, I don't think that we need a way for me to go all double barrels blazing, because we're already seeing, like you said, others make radical changes in their lives and lifestyles. People are giving up their corporate jobs to work at nonprofits, and people are going to part-time work and, and gig economy work.
1: Yeah, but these things aren't new. The current iteration of the gig economy has been around since 2009 and, and hustle culture goes back even further. What is it about this moment in time that's, that's causing this transition to happen in the numbers that we're seeing right now?
0: Okay. I will answer your question, but first let's flesh out hustle culture and passion economy because I'm not sure that I know the difference. And you know that I'm completely down with hustle culture, despite potentially not even knowing what it really means.
1: No one, no one's got hustle like you do this. I'm certain. Of. So. Okay the hustle culture uh that's best defined as having that rise and grind mentality mm. um it's the, it's the the belief that everything we do has to bring some sort of monetary gain right we don't do things for the pleasure of doing them we only do them if we benefit from it. Mm. now in contrast the, the passion economy is built around doing what you love because you love it then you use modern platforms like Etsy, Patreon, YouTube, or Stitch. Even Airbnb offers paid virtual activities like cooking classes that allow people to get paid for including others and in doing the things they love. The primary difference between the two is choosing what you do based on how much money you can make, which would be the hustle culture, versus choosing what to do because you love to do it, which is part of the passion economy. And what
0: if I love to make money? then I'm, I'm well, combining then, the two, right?
1: The world is your oyster. You can go in either <laughs> direction.
0: Right? It's a whole new world. Like I said, It's right? indeed
1: a whole new world.
0: Right. So let me go back and answer your question. So why now? So I surmise that right now we have this like sort of perfect storm of circumstance that are making this, to borrow from Kid Cudi, pursuit of happiness mm. more prevalent than ever before because mm. In addition to this idea of fleeting time and potentially extra cash on hand that I mentioned before, Mm -hmm. in some instances, you had people who were suddenly out of work and had no other option to pivot. Their line of work might not have been working at that time. I think about where I live and all the restaurants being shut down and all of those folks in that industry suddenly having to figure out something else to do. And there are so what I'm saying is there are definitely some cases where people had no other recourse, but to contemplate a switcheroo in their lives.
1: Sure, it's a a perfect marriage of economic and existential circumstances. And I think one other aspect that we can add to the mix for your hypothesis is is people's growing dissatisfaction with their corporate employers. You know, only 50% of American workforce is fully satisfied with their jobs. Mm. And even if they're satisfied, 59% of them said they'd change job if they got an appealing offer. Making matters worse, Less than half of the American workforce trust their employer.
0: Pete, I have to say, it's a pretty bleak picture you're painting there. And I feel like I could use some Bob Ross and maybe a happy accident.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, we could all use a little Bob Ross, but it's not all bad. Companies that put in the effort to be good citizens, quote, you know, I'm using air quotes here on a podcast, you know, to be good citizens are more attractive landing places for job seekers. of workers report that a good company culture is a Mm must-have. And an an example of this is that uh, 79% of people, uh, of the workers said that they would turn down a higher paying position if it was with a company that failed to act on sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. And 96% of workers reported feeling like showing empathy was a good way for companies to boost retention. Well,
0: that is promising. So it's like companies with good, empathetic cultures have an advantage currently in hiring. It's like a park almost, right? Mm. It's part of the compensation package. Sure. This basically takes one of my loves for the longest time, corporate social responsibility, and ratchets it up a notch. I am trying to think of the dark side of this, though. There has to be like a butt, I feel like. Is there a butt coming, Pete?
1: I mean, you know that I am rarely rainbows and sunshine, so you're right to be wary. The problem with these statistics is that there is a disconnect between how workers evaluate their employer and how the CEO sees things. Mm. Since we talked about the value people place on empathy, I think it's revealing that while 92% of CEOs thought their organizations were empathetic, only about half of their workers agreed.
0: Well, color me surprised, Pete.
1: Yeah, who who would believe that that at the CEO level they're not seeing the same thing at, as the uh, as the workers, right?
0: Shocking. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs>
1: Newsflash. <laughs> this disconnect, the disconnect between the CEOs and the workers, uh, I think is best highlighted in a quote that I saw recently from Jamie Dimon. Uh, he's the, the chairman and CEO for Morgan Chase.
0: Yeah.
1: And he was speaking at a uh, Wall Street Journal CEO council about mm-hmm. what the work culture was going to look like as these restrictions were lifted and as people started having the ability to return to the office. So what he said was, we want people back to work. And my view is that sometime in September, October, it will look just like it did before. And everyone is gonna be happy with it. And yes, the commute, you know, people don't like commuting, but so what? For workers that increasingly want flexibility in their work schedule and that value empathy from their employer, this sentiment makes YOLO pursuits very attractive.
0: I, I would like to go back and see his total transcript. I hope that some of that is like taken out of context. I, I hate thinking that it's like this let me cake sort of, you know. You know,
1: you know who Jamie Diamond is, right?
0: I mean, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, you know, I I you know, I I fear for the Jamie Diamonds of the world because I don't think we've seen the half of it. Because as you said, you know, we're just starting to creep out of the pandemic.
1: Okay, what makes you think that, that, that we haven't uh, quite crested the hill yet?
0: Oh, I mean, research says this. There was a recent Microsoft survey that said more than 40% of workers globally were considering leaving their jobs this year. And there were recent poll surveys done in the U.S. amongst workers, and it said up to 25% of workers plan to search for new employers once the threat of the pandemic has subsided. So you're talking this year. And for tech workers and millennials, they have a much greater percentage of people considering exiting stage left, for sure.
1: That's incredible. And, and you know, at the same time that that's going on, people are redefining what it means to be successful. Yeah. Uh, according to a wealth management firm, uh, Boston Private, about mm-hmm. 60% of respondents said that the pandemic had caused them to rethink what wealth meant to them. In 2018, 65% of the respondents said wealth, which they defined as an accumulation of capital, gave them peace of mind. But after a year of the pandemic, that number had dropped to only 53%. And along with redefining YOLO, people are redefining the very idea of wealth. Pre-pandemic, it probably meant currency in some form or fashion. And now there's an uptick in people defining wealth as success in life.
0: I 100% believe that. We have started for sure, including our health, the status of our relationships, into that wealth equation because there really is only so much that money can buy.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think that there's also an element of all of these incremental changes suddenly gushing forward to fruition. Uh, And uh, So what I mean is, are we really experiencing this sudden sea change or is it just a year's worth of changes that were held at bay because the pandemic was keeping people inside and, and restricted from being able to do a bunch of things And now they're being released into the world.
0: Oh, that's a good point. Like maybe it was always happening, but now we have this swell of it because, right, as you said, we now can get out and about a little bit easier. Right. And and of course, there's also this idea that now we're talking about this. You and I, I mean, I know I'm noticing it everywhere. I I (laughs) have even been sending you clips of like, here's YOLO, right? (laughs) Like this is like Bader Meinhof, right? Never matter. Yeah.
1: Indeed. Indeed. Right. Well, now that we're aware of it, it's, it seems to be popping up everywhere, but
0: Absolutely. you know, who,
1: who can say if that's Bader Meinhof or if it really is just that prevalent, mm-hmm. uh, the, the mind is a tricky minx. So as I'm thinking about this though, I'm wondering how this ties into languishing, which okay. I know that you heard of because you sent me the article.
0: Oh yes. You're languishing the, the, the word. Of uh, mm-hmm. 2021, yeah. Or or from 2020, yeah. It's like the new licorice, the new kale. Yeah, languishing. <laughs> that valley between depression and flourishing where you're just sort of like, meh, right? You're bleh. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, who, who hasn't felt that in the last, I don't know, 18 to 24 months, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And if languishing is your ailment, could this new version of YOLOing be the cure? It,
0: it probably can be. I mean, it, you have to think. Simply doing some self reflection is always a good way to start assessing if we are where we want to be, doing what we want to be doing with our time. You know, my big phrase is time well spent. So right. I always think of things in terms of that. I have to think now, am I following my own heart, my own intuition, or am I living a life by like what other people think or expect or want out of me? What should be getting my time and attention? Everything else needs to kick rocks.
1: Huh. You know, I have a feeling. That YOLO might not be done evolving just yet. Okay. And, and this is this is anecdotal. Okay. But I see among the people I know that there's a trend of moving toward more outwardly facing work in pastimes. It's, it's as if they're looking at the world and thinking, you only live once. So let's make sure we're making it a good experience for everyone. It's it's almost a cry of we only live once
0: feel transported back to the 80s and doing Hands Across America suddenly. <laughs> I Join with me, everyone. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it would be very amazing to see YOLO go from being a rally cry for like risky, stupid behavior to sort of this communal rally cry for people looking to take care of each other. I mean, I, I, I'm i on board. Sign me up. I'll bring dip. Yep.
1: Yeah, that, if, if that's how things go, that's that's one impressive character arc for YOLO. And I feel like, like in the course of this conversation, we've touched on just about every aspect of it.
0: We a hundred percent have. I mean, we've really gone from YOLO past, present and future. We had that, that pre-pandemic version of it where YOLO was yelled before dropping into the bowl or pre-gaming an entire bottle of fireball before (laughs) heading into the club. Nobody, nobody's done that here, of course. Right. Yes. No, no, never. never. I, that's, I didn't get that example from anything anyone's ever told me. (laughs) And now we are seeing their reevaluate life phase that, Still that idea of not playing by someone else's roles, but in a, do I really want this job sort of way? Is this really where I want to live? Mm -hmm. And then future forward. Yeah, I'm on board with you. Let's just claim it. Let's tell the universe there is another iteration on the horizon. What is it that I want to do with this life to impact others? Gosh, I feel, oh, that's a lot, man. Don't you think? (laughs) That's a lot.
1: Yeah, that is, we have covered some ground. That's for sure. It's given me quite a bit to think about. Mm-hmm. so uh let's call it a wrap what do you say
0: um yeah i think i got and I'm, I'm squeezed man yeah
1: okay and then and then you can go drop into the bowl like you said before
0: pete that was Damn. the old me the old me dropped into the bowl man uh, okay yolo the new me is now going to go start a local human library chapter oh
1: that's fascinating i will be your first patron <laughs>
0: okay sounds good
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay until then we want to continue this conversation on social media. We'd love to hear what YOLO means to you. And of course, we'd love for you all to tell us what topics you'd like to hear us talk about next. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ThinkSigPod or on our Facebook page by searching for Think Significantly.
0: Pete, now we'll be back to discuss another topic. You can bet your bottom dollar on it. Until then, we encourage you to continue thinking significantly about the world around you.